Well, it's Christmas season, the Christmas season. And last week, uh, we began sort of our Christmas theme messages, I guess. And we looked at the Word of God, looked at the incarnation, literally, uh, the Word of God, the Word that was with God from the beginning and was God, John says, became flesh and dwelt among us in the form of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I want to continue the thought uh, on words today. Uh, just keep our thinking going in that way because words are incredibly powerful things. Uh, and I think we know that. You don't have to be long on the planet to sort of work that out, but but as much as we might know it, often we get caught out by the power of words and we don't even realise it. You know, you, you sort of, you'd realise it at times like when things are extreme, maybe when you feel the sting of criticism uh, or scorn. And uh, come on, who's ever been burned by a word? And a word can literally burn you and, and, and pierce your heart and... Uh, and also, hopefully, you've experienced the other side of it too, where someone that you love or admire, someone that you hold in respect or regard, has spoken well of you and encouraged you and spoken into your heart, spoken into your life, and, uh, and the life-giving power, the ability of words to strengthen and heal is absolutely amazing. And this is why the Bible simply says, the book of Proverbs, that the power of death and of life are in the tongue, the words that we speak. Uh, Paul talks to a young pastor, Timothy, and, uh, and he encourages him. He's giving him some commands to, to lead in a particular way and to preach Christ in a particular way. And he says, what I'm instructing you to do, it's in line with prophecies that were made concerning you, spirit-inspired utterances or words. People had spoken over Timothy's life prophetically and Paul is saying that by them you might wage the good warfare. You might think that you're against it and that things are tough and things are pushing at you, but you've had some good things spoken over your life and if you can hold on to them, then you're actually going to rise up like a warrior and overcome the things that are threatening to swallow you up. Come on, is that a good word for someone here today? It might be Christmas, but I'm still ready to preach. I'm going to preach 2019 out. Is that okay? I'm not going to go with a whimper and a bit of tinsel. I'm going to go with the Word of God. Words. Words are powerful. What's that got to do with Christmas? You, you might say, well, I want to return to, to Mary. And uh, Mary's been a great study for us the last couple of years. I've sort of drilled down on Mary a bit. And, uh, and I want to look at Mary and Joseph going up to dedicate Jesus in the temple, the story in Luke chapter 2, the, the most comprehensive sort of Christmas story uh, in Scripture. And, uh, and Mary and Joseph in chapter 2, verse 22, uh, it says, When the days of her purification after having Christ, giving birth, according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And th there's this guy there called Simeon. And Simeon's like an old prophetic dude that's hanging out at the temple and God has shown him that he will not die until he sees the Lord's Messiah. So this guy's been living on a word that was given to him for a long time. 
He's had something in his heart and he's waiting and he's longing to see it. And when Mary and Joseph turn up at the temple to dedicate the baby Jesus, Simeon comes and as soon as he sees the child, he lifts him high, the scripture says, just lifts him up and rejoices. And then he prophesies over him and he says, basically, uh, this child is going to be a light to the Gentiles. Nations are going to rise and fall and he'll be the salvation of his own people as well. Amazing things that Simeon says and when he sees Jesus and he speaks over Jesus' life. Verse 29 and 30, uh, he says this, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation. And then verse 33, it says, Joseph and his mother marvelled at those things which were spoken of him. So there's this utterance over Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. And another verse or two later on, it talks about an older prophetess, a lady about 84 years of age called Anna, and uh, she comes in. And, and interestingly, in verse 38, it says, in that instant, in that instant. So literally, Simeon lifts the baby up and then Anna comes in and she confirms it with a second word. She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel so or in Jerusalem. So literally, she's pointing him out like this, this child, there's, there's something on this child's life that is going to change your future and change your destiny. These words are spoken over his life. And then if we fast forward in Jesus' life to um, uh, when he's 12 years of age, it says that they take him up to uh, the feast with them because the family was a, a dedicated family. So they went they went up to the feast every year and they take Jesus up there and they do the feast, which was probably a full week of celebration. And then they leave and, and, and when they're a couple of days into the journey home, this was quite a commitment. This was not jump in your car and go 15 minutes to church or 20 minutes to church. This was days and days of travel. They're three days on the way home and they realise Jesus isn't in the caravan or in the back seat of the wagon or whatever they had. And, uh, and so they head back and they find him in the temple still and he's talking to the religious uh, leaders and the, the scholars and the teachers of the law and he's actually having, at 12 years of age, a full-on riveting conversation with them and you've got to remember this is the third day of riveting conversation that Jesus has had with them and uh, and so when they found him in the temple they found him and the people that he was talking to were astonished at his understanding and his answers and Mary and Joseph of course they get cranky like mum and dad would say you need to be home with us we you know we freaked out we didn't know where you were Jesus' answer was, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Then he went down with them, came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But listen to this, and this is what I want to talk about today. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And this whole chapter two of Luke, it's a, you know, it covers 12 years, obviously, and then there is an 18-year silence in the life of Jesus we know nothing about 
other than the fact that he grew in stature with men and God. That's all we know. For the greatest length of Jesus' life, we know absolutely nothing. But this is where it ends. She kept all these things in her heart. Positive stuff that had been spoken over him, the prophetic word, what Simeon had said, what Anna had said, the reaction of the teachers and the leaders and what they'd seen. She kept all these things in her heart. I wonder what you keep in your heart. I wonder what we keep in our heart when it comes to things that we've heard and things that we've experienced. So I want to talk to us today about hiding the right words in your heart. Hiding the right words in your heart. Here's a couple of thoughts about hiding the right words in your heart. Well, it prepares you for the future because, boy, Mary needed them for what she was going to go through, for what she was going to see her son go through. She was absolutely going to need that word in her heart. And interestingly, the, the biblical narrative, it doesn't really tell us about Mary during the process of, of uh, Jesus' trial and crucifixion. It doesn't tell us very much. It doesn't sort of put her on the spot until you get to the foot of the cross at the end of the day. But I guarantee you can guarantee she was there. You can guarantee even when he was in the praetorium, in the Roman guard and in the governor's house and he was behind closed doors, you can guarantee that as a mother, she was hanging on every shred of information that she could weasel out of anyone who walked through those places. Because as, as a woman, she certainly couldn't. You can guarantee that she was after every bit of information. She walked every step of that journey with her son in that sense. And then here she is at the end of the day at the foot of the cross. And I honestly, I think the only way you could get through a day like that, listen to it. You know, it's it's important what you hide in your heart because what you hide in your heart prepares you for your future on your worst day. And when the wheels fall off and everything's going wrong and you just really can begin to question, is God in this? Does God even care? Is God anywhere to be seen? I go back to the thought that the last thing it said of Mary was that she hid those things in her heart. She had had positive words, life-giving words, words of hope, words of future. Because I tell you, there's times when you'll face in your life, if the only word that you've got in your heart is what's happening now, you will want to give up. Life has a way of getting us in those places. Life has a way of twisting and turning and not always turning out exactly the way that we thought that it would. And it's in those moments that that future word, that that word that you've hidden away in your heart, when you heard something good and something good is going to happen, it can actually pull you through your most difficult day with confidence that God can do something on the other side. You know, she had struggled to believe her son even was the son of God at times. And the way that, you know, Jesus responded, man, I tell you what, that's, um, you know, who are my mother and brothers? Aren't they these people here with me? Leave them outside. She had some stuff to deal with. I'm not sure whether she was waiting for the resurrection. When it happened, that future word had proven true and had pulled her through her darkest day. Come on, what do you hide 
in your heart? What do you hide in your heart for your future? Have you only got a now present pain word in your heart? Or have you got a future word? I know what God has said and I can trust him with it. Second thought is that uh, we should filter them carefully. If words prepare us for our future and they can prepare you for the negative, have you ever heard the, the, the saying in our world, that which I feared most had come upon me? They set you up for your future one, or the, one way or the other, your words and what you're allowing to rattle around inside you. So filter them carefully. When I look at Mary's experience, all these people had spoken so positively and so powerfully, and I think that's why she remembered them. She chose to remember the good stuff. Remember, there was a lot of other stuff during the growing up, you know, and when he launched out into ministry, you get a glimpse of maybe what some of the years that we don't know about, what they may have looked like, because when he launched out, his brothers weren't with him. They thought he was mad. So often we look at these stories and it's like, you know, it just went so sweet for Jesus, didn't it? You know, until the crucifixion, it just went so sweet. But actually, I don't think any of it was really sweet, really easy. But Mary had fixed her heart. She had hidden in her heart the good stuff to get her through. So filter We all need a filter. We need to choose what we keep. We all hear lots of words and we need to choose what we meditate on, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about life itself. You need a filter. Filter those words carefully. Filter those words carefully and make sure that you hide the right words in your heart. So I want to encourage us, focus on the promises. Focus on the promises of God. 1 Corinthians chapter, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. And Paul says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, this is just so much like what Simeon had done. He, he, Heard a promise, you're not going to die until you see. But he was an old man. He was ready to die by the time he saw it. So that word had carried him for years. That promise had just carried him for years. He just lived believing he would see the promise, just like Abraham, just like so many heroes of faith that we see in Scripture. Every circumstance seems to be running the opposite direction. I reckon every week he got up and was a week older. He was just probably wondering, Wondering, oh God, you're cutting this a bit fine. Cutting this a bit fine. I'm ready to I'm ready to go. It's like my mum at 88, she was like just ready to wave off and go. Just waiting for it. And it pulled him through, I don't know how much of his life, till he'd seen the promise and say, I can rest in peace because God's word has come to pass. And here Paul is saying, no matter how many promises God has made in his word, no matter how many promises God speaks to your heart, they are yes in Christ. It's not just, oh, that promise was for someone else. No, no. If if you can amen it in your heart, if you can get a witness in your spirit, man, I'm going to receive that word. I'm going to hide that word in my heart. It's yours. 
No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ and through him and through the faith faith that we have and the power of the Holy Spirit in us. God's just looking for us to say amen. He says so many good things over us. Come on, if, if, if forgiveness is a thing, I, I love starting here because for all of us, forgiveness is a thing. If you need forgiveness, if you need to know that you're forgiven, then there's a wonderful promise in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, if we just fess up, if we're just honest with ourselves, if we just own our problems, our failures, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, what a promise on your worst day. What a promise. What about love? You know, when you feel unlovable, unloved. Come on, have you got a a love word in your heart for your future? There'll be a day when people make you feel unloved, even if they're not intentionally doing it. We do these things to one another. It happens in a broken world amongst broken humanity and sometimes it's not even intentional. But there will be a day in your future whether you question whether you're actually lovable and God will say that he so loved the whole world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish. That's how much you're loved, even when people around you can't express it and that can pull you through a dark day where you really begin to question your own lovability, your own value in that sense. Capable. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, you know, whenever you get to a point where you just think, man, I don't have the capacity for this. Aren't these things we all run into? Come on, who's ever run into a day you needed forgiveness? A day you needed to know you were loved, a day that you maybe felt inadequate for the task at hand to parent that child, to bring up that child or those children, to, to get that teenager through that spot, to, to, to get through the struggles in your marriage right now or the problems with your study or with whatever is happening in your world and it's like, God, I just, I just don't think I've got what it takes for this. And Paul chimes in that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you can take that promise and go, God, I'm believing. I'm just believing that I can do this. I'm not going to fold. I'm not going to buckle. Your spirit in me is greater. Come on, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you take a hold of that and you fight the good fight of faith. And you push through. You don't just survive, but you actually end up Lifting. Let me get to another one. They're pretty good, aren't they? Confidence. When you experience the nagging fear of simply not being able to or if you've ever had to put yourself out there and you need the confidence to do it, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not See, your faith can propel you there. Your faith will give you the confidence to step out and to take that, take that step of faith, to put yourself out there. Oh, no, but I'm just a quiet person. Well, you might find yourself in a place in life where you need to be more than a quiet person. 
Am I speaking to any young men here who need a date? I'm just joking. That's just to lighten it up a bit. Courage, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit. Are you getting the point? Come on, what's hidden in your heart? When you need courage, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and sound thinking or a sound mind. And you can just find promise after promise after promise in the word. The problem is often what we hear rattling around in our head is someone who was negative or critical and told us we didn't measure up, whether it was the schoolyard bully or it was a sporting coach or whatever it was where you felt like you were hemmed in. I don't mean to put bullies and <laughs> sporting coaches in the same rank there, but you, I think you understand what I mean. A careless word, a careless word that you can carry. What's rattling around? What have you hidden in your heart? What is the narrative? Because every day you listen to it. Even though you don't necessarily stop and think about that, if you do stop and think about it, you'll find that you replay that narrative again and again and again. So it pays to hide the right words in your heart. Mary hid these things. She kept these things in her heart. Joy. Come on, anyone need some joy? Let me get back to the scripture. It's Romans 14 verse 17. I love this passage. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink or eating and drinking. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And man, when, when happenings aren't doing it for you. In other words, when your happiness is low, because the happenings don't make you happy. Joy is something that comes from somewhere so much deeper. It's attached to our salvation. It's attached to the fact that we know that God loves us, that he has a plan for us, that he's taking us there, even though the route might be rocky and uphill and down dale, and we're not always sure what's going on. Man, this kingdom thing that Jesus has begun in us, it's not about the external stuff. I love the eating and drinking part too, but that's the kingdom is deeper than that. And it's what Jesus has done in your life, the righteousness, the peace that comes into your heart, that passes all understanding and joy that wells up from in, from the wells of salvation. The joy of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Don't you love it? Life. Life. Man, if your life's missing a bit of life, Coca-Cola's not going to do it for you. For those of us old enough to remember the older Coke ads that said, Coke adds life. Anyone under over 40 willing to admit that? Yes, we do. Thank you, Aaron. John 10, 10, last part of the verse. We know what the first part says. The thief comes but to, not, not but to steal, kill, destroy. You've got an enemy of your soul that wants to rob everything I've just talked about, that wants to c- cause other words to rattle around on the inside of you, that wants to tempt you and deceive you into hiding the wrong narrative in your heart. 
But right here we've got Jesus, the second part of the verse, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And if your life is lack and zing, Jesus is the answer. I'm telling you right now. You're not going to get enough out of a bottle and you're not going to get it out of a substance or a pill. You're not going to get it out of even eating the right, the right food and the right drink. At the end of the day, there's a thirst in the heart of man that can only be quenched by rivers of living water that Jesus has promised for each and every one of us. Come on, life. What have you hidden in your heart? What's rattling around on the inside? I'm going to ask us a couple of questions just as I close. Reminding you that all the promises of God, that's just a scattering. It's an easy scattering of a few simple things that you can receive from the word of God. So when you're faced with contradictory circumstances, what comes out of your heart? Fear or promise? Because that sort of tells us what's rattling around on the inside. Jesus said out of the, out of the mouth, or out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the way that we react externally is tied right back to what's already living within us. And so when we face pressure circumstances, contradictory circumstances, the, the, the life going off the rails a bit, what's our, what's our reaction? Is our reaction fear and dread and negativity? Or is our reaction, but I've got a promise? Yeah, this, is, this really sucks right now. What's happening? But I've got a promise. I'm believing God. I'm going to see a better day than this. You take a hold of the word and you, you live to your future, not to the moment, not to the narrative of today. Come on, has anyone lived there? Lived like that? Works, doesn't it? It's called the faith life. It's what it's called, living by faith, not by sight. If your thoughts are a reflection of what is hidden in your heart, do you want to change the narrative? You might be sitting right there and go, oh, but Chris, but you don't understand it. Just, oh, I'm always thinking about this stuff. I know, I know. But you know, it's, it is a choice. It is a choice. Just this week, I had some, some bad news on top of what had been uh, some difficult things. It was connected the previous week and it was a bit like, Oh man, my mind just started going over and going over and going over this stuff. And it's things that I've got to face a little bit in the future on a leadership type level. But you know what? It was just sapping me. It must have been Monday morning or Tuesday. It was early in the week. It was just draining me because it was going over and over and over in my mind. And then I just sort of snapped to my senses and thought, Chris, what are you thinking about? Worrying about that situation will not change one iota so you might as well be happy and I thought okay I'm not going to think about that I'm going to put it out of my mind and every time it comes back I'm going to march it back out the door and when I get to that situation then I will face it I've had a great week I've had a great week I could have had a week where I was oppressed by my thoughts where I was oppressed by fear Instead, I'm just like, you know what? I believe I'm going to have the capacity to face that challenge when I get there. But worrying about it before I get there is not going to add one inch. 
and so I'm not going to worry about it. You can bring thoughts captive. Paul says it, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not a physical thing, but they're mighty in God and you can pull down strongholds and capture every vain imagination and thought that runs through your head that's contrary to the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. You can do it. So do you want to change the narrative? Are you sick of the narrative that predicts failure, that predicts pain, predicts sickness? I'm encouraging you, friend. Get a promise in your heart. Hide the right words in your heart. Yes, you have to face the things you have to face. But hide the right words in your heart. Mary went through agony. At least three days of it. The crucifixion, his death. It wasn't till Resurrection Sunday that her cloud lifted. And yet she'd hidden things in her heart. I'd like to pray for us. If we could stand together. And uh, and as we do, I, I guess I just want to encourage you. What do you need Jesus to speak into? You know, the Bible has over 6,000 promises. 6,800 and something. I think someone counted them once, according to them. But I've heard many variations on it. It's many thousands of promises. What do you need Jesus to speak into? Do you need him to speak into your marriage, the way you're feeling? about your spouse, things that you face? Do you need him to speak into a health issue? Do you need him to speak into other relationships, maybe your children, your grandchildren? What do you need him to speak into? Do you need him to speak into your finances or your job situation or your business situation or or, or your career path, your education, your study right now, whatever it is? What do you need Jesus to speak into? Because I I, want to pray for us today and I just want to believe that God's going to bring a fresh promise to hearts that need it today. So if you'd say, Chris, I've got something I want a fresh fresh promise for. I can't give you that. You've got to get it for yourself. But I'm going to believe that God's going to open your eyes and show you what he wants to show you. Cool? Can we just respond to God? So if if you'd say, Chris... That's me. Why don't you just raise a hand to heaven? Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for every life, every heart. Thank you for people that are hungry for the promise of God. Father, you lead us through your promises. You bring us through many trials and temptations and all kinds of things through your promise, the goodness of your word. You speak life, you speak healing, you speak joy, you speak salvation over us. And I thank you, Father, for hearts receiving, not only in this place, but even this week as they open your word. Father, as they meditate, as they think, as they're challenged by some of the thoughts that begin to bombard them and they realise this is this moment where I need to take my stand. I pray, Father, let your word come clear and sharp. Let your word come into focus in our hearts that we might hide the right words in our hearts. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And while we're in this moment, in the presence of God, you know, if you're here today 
and uh, hanging on to the promises of God and walking with Jesus is is sort of not your modus operandi in life. Uh, you're very, very welcome. That's cool. But if you're here today and, and you, you're thinking, I, I wish I had that, I wish I had an act of faith that led me through the difficult times of life, then I want to give you the opportunity to, to reach out to God this morning for yourself in these closing moments of the service. And uh, we always pray a prayer at the end of our services and it's a prayer uh, of dedication, it's a prayer of commitment, it's a prayer asking forgiveness, it's, it's really a prayer of opening our hearts to God. And, uh, and maybe you're in this place and you'd say, Chris, I've, I've never done that, but I want to this morning. And people do every week at New Hope. Every week, people do. And if you're here this morning and just like, Chris, that's, that's me. I've been on a bit of a journey, but I need Jesus. And I tell you what his promise is. He promises forgiveness. He promises love. He promises joy. He promises purpose. There's so many things in the Word of God for you as you come to Jesus this morning. So if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, just while heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but you'd say, Pastor Chris, that's me, would you just raise your hand right where you are and I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again and then we're all going to pray together. But just before we end here today, yep, fantastic. Yep, awesome. Yep, awesome, mate. God bless you. Others in this place, just really quickly, just before we move on, really quickly, others just really quickly, Great to see people responding to Jesus. But friend, that's that's just you. Just before we close, He loves you. He loves you. He wants to pull you through the circumstances of life. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't we encourage those wonderful folk that it's a wonderful thing to take a step towards God like that and just affirm your faith in Jesus is a wonderful thing. So we're going to pray together. And could the whole church join us? And if you've responded this morning, simply make this your prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. And following him is really just a matter of getting a hold of what he promises and pursuing it. That's really what it's all about, hiding the right stuff in your heart and running through life. Thanks, Pastor Sue. Can we thank Chris this morning? Love that great, encouraging message for Christmas.